We know you have a word for us. And we want you to come. And we want you to... Praise the Lord. Everybody said hallelujah. My furniture knew storage bins better than they knew houses. And I am a professional U-Haul driver. I've driven more U-Haul. Going to uh, Oklahoma one time, I got on the wrong on-ramp and just jumped the medium and my wife's following me in the car, having a nervous breakdown. I really have a very good wife. She put up with me. And I, I want to brag on her. Just Is that all right? We've been married for 54 years. And and if you're a young man and you want to be a minister, marry the right girl. And uh, in those 54 years, she has never asked me for a dress, for anything, ever. I don't remember one time that she said, I need something. The home missionary, his wife came home in a new dress. And the home missionary said, why are you wearing, where would you get that? She said, I bought it. He said, we can't afford it. Why would you buy it? She said, the devil made me do it. She said, why didn't, he said, why didn't you tell him to get behind you? She said, I did. And he said, looks pretty good back here too. (laughs) Sorry. I'm waiting for them to interpret over there. (laughs) But it wasn't that long. Gloria Dios, Pound of Crisco. Anyway. God is a good God. Thank you again, Pastor Sister Booker, for being so kind to us. I can't tell you all he's done. Thank you, church. Uh, one of the last times I was here, you paid off my trailer. I'd like to buy a house. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> and so... Uh, the, uh, I, I do really appreciate this church and all of you. How many have never heard me preach before? I'm sorry. Come back next week. It'll be better. God is good, right? Somebody said, you're too funny. And I said, you're too sad. I'm telling you, if you want to win people to the Lord, you have to have a little bit of the joy of the Lord. And the joy of your Lord, the Lord is your strength. And so you get enough joy every service to carry you through to the next service. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. The book of John chapter 3 and verse 30. John chapter 3 and verse 30. While you're looking at that, I would like to say this is the most important book in the world. In fact, this is the most important thing in the world. 
Because through this book, I found God. I would not have known God without the book. I would not have known about the plan of salvation without the Word. I would not have known about having a pastor or a church. I wouldn't know about praising or worshiping God. And so I want to talk a little bit in a different way of the importance of the Word of God tonight from John chapter 3 and verse 30. John the Baptist is speaking, and he said, He must, speaking of the Lord, increase, but I must decrease. He, what? Say it. He, and I, and I'd like to preach tonight for a few minutes on just the word must. I must decrease. Let's pray and ask God to bless us. Thank you, God, for your goodness, for the choir, for all that we felt and heard and seen, God. We pray that you will bless and touch us, we pray. Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Several years ago, in fact, it was in 19, about 77 or 78, which is a few years ago. A minister and his wife that had been stationed in Germany came back to a royal grandee, and uh, they were there for quite a while. He started a church in another place, on and on and on. But uh, he taught us a chorus. And the chorus is, Oh, magnify the Lord, for he is... How many know that? That's an old, that's an old chorus. But, Oh, magnify the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. And uh, as they taught us that song, it bothered me. In fact, it bothered me the whole week because I tried to infantum or believe or think how in the world can I make God greater than He is. David said, if I ascend into heaven, I'll find Him. If I make my bed in hell, I'll find Him. Where can I go? Where can I flee? Everywhere I go, God is. And so when I thought about David's Magnifying God, how in the world can I make God greater than He is? Until God gave me about Friday or Saturday this verse, and Sunday morning I preached it. And I said, the way that you can make God greater than He is, is for you to decrease, and He will increase. And the smaller we get... In our thinking, in our lives, and in this world, the larger he becomes in our lives. And so as I thought of that, must, I must, he must, I must, I began to think that this is a word of choice. John the Baptist didn't have to say that, but because he knew who the Messiah was and his purpose in life, it became an absolute It could have been just a choice word. I must take out the garbage. And my wife will say, did you take out the garbage and the trash? And I'll say no, and she'll say it's too late. And so we put it in our car and take it to the church, and they don't know it, and we dump it there. And, well, I work for them. I just get some, can't get a raise, you get something out of it. And so... And, and so, the word 
can be a choice word and never followed through. I must get my car wash. I must do this. I must mow my lawn. I must do this. And it doesn't really mean a lot to you. But when you realize that in the Word of God, there are some definite must. They're words of obligation. In fact, they're absolutes. They're not words of choice. They're not words that you can make a decision about. They're not words that you can just kind of blow off and say, well, that's not important. But they become words that are meaningful to you and to your salvation and to heaven. And so the word must in law is called words of compulsion. And that means that when they are put in a legal document, must and shall, those words cannot be changed or argued about. When something said this must happen for this to happen, then you can mark it down. You can't erase it or change it or delete it. Other words can be choice words and words that don't really mean a lot, but there are words that are absolutes. And so the word must in the Bible becomes a very, very definite absolute. Everybody said praise the Lord. John 4:24. God is a spirit. And they that worship Him can, maybe, but it's not a choice word. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Please listen to me carefully because I am trying to be very kind. But only absolutely apostolic. Y'all talk a minute. Only apostolics worship in truth. The Bible said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Everybody can praise the Lord. Sinners can praise the Lord. Every denomination can praise the Lord. Everybody can say, thank you, Jesus. But only apostolics worship God in spirit and in truth. Only apostolics realize what true truth is. And only apostolics really know what real worship is. You see, worship is more than a dance or a song. It's more than a hand raised. It's an absolute. I'm worshiping God all the time. Because I'm worshiping Him in truth. I may be at work and not raising my hands, but God knows I'm a true worshiper. I may be at school and not raising my hands, but God knows I'm a true worshiper. Why? Because we worship in spirit and in truth. Let's say thank God. Mohammed said, I bring you truth. Buddha said, I'll bring you a message. Mahatma Gandhi said, my life is my message. Confucius said, I bring you truth. But let me tell you, when Jesus came, he said, hey world, I'm the truth. 
He said, hey, world, I'm the message. I'm more than a prophet. I'm more than a teacher. I'm more than a preacher. I'm the truth. And if you're going to worship, you're going to have to worship in spirit and truth. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, we're not like the church down the street. And we're not like that organization or that organization. We know who Jesus is. And we know what truth is. And we know how the spirit of God to worship him. Praise God. There's no other choice. (laughs) Thy word is truth. And so if you don't live the truth, you can't worship in truth. You know, worship, I'll take a little rabbit trail here, is more than actions. The first time worship is mentioned in the Bible Abraham is taking his son up on a hill, and he tells them, we go to worship. They weren't going to have a Jericho march or running around the church or a magnified choir. He's going to slay his son. The greatest form of worship is obedience. I'm telling you, there's churches with colored lights and smoke and dancers, and singers. There's people raising their hands and running the aisles. But they don't realize it's more than just spirit. That spirit is small case S. That's not Holy Spirit. That's our spirit. So we worship God ourselves. But I'm telling you, it's not full worship unless you worship in spirit and in truth. Unless you worship God with the fullness Jesus told Nicodemus, absolute, marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. No other choice. I'm amazed by religious world today that that is a sideline word. I'll drive around and listen to religious broadcast, and every once in a while they'll say, You need to be born again. But that's not their plan of salvation. They don't go to what Jesus said, born again of the water and the Spirit. They don't go to Acts 2.38 and repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and Holy Ghost. They don't go to a real experience. It's just a word. It's just a phrase. But I'm telling you, it is not a phrase. It's an experience. It's not just some words. It's an experience. You've got to have a life-changing experience. You've got to go from this world to another world in your spirit. That's something that, hallelujah, it works in your life. So I've caught a volunteer tonight. You got any money? No. What's your name? Nathaniel. Nathaniel? That's a good name. Are you married? No, you weren't. Okay. Nathaniel, this is your lucky day. I've talked to you and you're a roofer and you don't make a lot of money. So I'm going to bring you down off the roof and make a carpenter out of you. Okay? And you're going to hire him. Okay? $30 an hour. Is that... Is that the going? What's the going rate? Yeah, good. Would you go sit down? Is there another vault? No, come back. And so 
I'm going to $30 an hour. Is that a fair price? So we're going to give you $30 an hour. Is that better than you're making now? You don't have to work in this hot sun. You don't have to be on the ladder. You can be inside goofing off when he's not looking. Okay. I'm Nathaniel. Sorry. Oh, repeat after me. We didn't practice. Okay. I'm Nathaniel. I'm Nathaniel. Take hammer. Take hammer. And nails. And nails. And some boards. And some boards. And I will be the best carpenter that I can. I will be the best carpenter that I can. In the name of the Carpenters Union. In the name of the Carpenters Union. Amen. Amen. Now, you have become a carpenter. And do uh, you need a man tomorrow to help you? For $30 an hour? Isn't that wonderful? Anybody else needs a patio? An extra room? Remodel your kitchen? How many believe he's a carpenter because he repeated what I said? I'm Nathaniel. i Nathaniel. Take the Lord Jesus Christ. Take the Lord Jesus Christ. As my personal Savior. As my personal Savior. Amen. Amen. He is no more a Christian because he repeated the prayer that we prayed than he is a carpenter because he repeated what I said. To be a carpenter, he has to learn some things. To be a carpenter, he has to do some things. To be a carpenter, he has to change some things. To be saved, you have to be born again of the water and the Spirit. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! You just can't get up in the morning and say, I'm a Christian. You can't just sign some card and say, I'm a Christian. You can't just say, pray some prayer. You must, must, must be born again. It's an absolute. When you're 76, that's the greatest sign in Pentecost. And so this world has created their own plan of salvation. You can go to ten different churches next Sunday, and ten, I'm telling you, ten different preachers will tell you ten different ways to get to heaven. But this Word of God, this Word from God, this Bible of God, this that He's given me, said there's some absolutes. Nicodemus, if you're going to be born again, you're going to be a new creature in Christ Jesus, your life has to change. Your thinking has to change. Your ideas have to change. Your methods have to change. Your lifestyle has to change. You're going to be reborn. You're going to be born again of the water and the Spirit. So we're going to be you're going to repent and get baptized in Jesus' name and get the Holy Ghost. And when you leave here, you're not the same person. You're different. How many of you have ever heard the story of the emperor's new clothes? By goodness. Thank you. I don't have time to tell it. But it's some, some weavers come to a kingdom and they tell this king that we have... Magic material. And we are going to make you a robe that's the most beautiful robe you've ever seen. But the only difference is, if a person isn't qualified for their job or their right, they will never see that robe. And so they were, they were tricksters. 
They had no, no yarn. They had no thread. And so they would go up and weave this wonderful garment that was not there. And so one day the prime minister went up there. They said, look at this. this beautiful? He thought, man, I don't want to lose my job. And he said, it's wonderful. Beautiful. The king went up there. And they said, here's the... And he thought, I don't want to lose my job. So it's wonderful. So they, they, you know, they altered it. He's standing there naked. They're putting pins here and there. and They have nothing there. And the day of the big parade. And all the king's whole kingdom was parading. And here comes the king. Naked. And people said, Wonderful. It's wonderful. Except one little boy said, Hey! He's naked! And all of a sudden the king realized, Wow. You listen to me. Wow. There are people sitting in churches that have told themselves and somebody told them they're saved. And they feel nothing. But they say, Wonderful. It's a wonderful experience. And they have nothing. But they don't want to be fooled by somebody. They don't want you to think I'm not saved. And I don't want to think you're not saved. So we play the game of being saved. You're only saved when you're born again. You must be born again. It doesn't take religion. Oh, I'm telling you. There's a whole world of people fooled out there that don't have real salvation. And you know what? They're naked. They've gone right back to the beginning. Acts 4 and 12. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we... Whereby we... Absolutely necessary... If there's anything the devil hates, he doesn't hate tongue-talking. He doesn't hate healing. He doesn't even hate worship. But he hates the name of Jesus. Because he knows there's power in the name of Jesus. No one ever went, my Buddha! Good Confucius. Mahatma Gandhi. There's not one of those people that curse words are used for. But the devil has taken the name that's above every name. The name that every person in the world is going to one day bow to. And make curse words of it. And put it in the gutter. And put it in the, in the, in the, in the sewer. And made cuss words out of it. Nobody cares about Buddha. Why? There's no power. He's dead. There's no power. But I'm telling you, there's a living God named Jesus. He came out of the grave. And he's alive. I'm telling you, I'm glad I know the name of Jesus. I'm telling you how powerful it is. You can be sitting there in sickness and have faith and call the name of Jesus and be healed. We had John Lambeth in our meeting the other day. And... Uh, Incredible sermon. 
And he preached about unbelief. We have a man there. I didn't even know the story. Good man. Christian man. Family. His wife teaches our school. His kids are in school. Got the Holy Ghost. Everything. And so he, he uh, had a prayer line. But he didn't get in the prayer line. He was too far. Too many people. And he just he testified. Said, said I just was there. But he said, I fought unbelief. It's not faith. Everybody's got faith. Everybody's got a measure of faith. It's unbelief. And so he said, I believed. No one touched me. No oil. Nobody put their hand on me. But he said, I turned around. He said, in the service, my back was shattered. It is, the bones are all shattered. And he said, walking back to the pew... I not only felt him, but heard those bones start to go back in places. He got up there and did, I don't know if he did a handstand or a flip. He could, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, that name that's above every name. Hallelujah. Devil, you're a liar. Devil, get out of our lives. I tell you, devil, God is great and his name is great. None other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Acts 9 and 6 to the Apostle Paul. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go in the city, and it shall be told thee what, <laughs> what thou must do. It's not a choice word, Paul. What I'm going to tell you, you have to do. And you're going to be beaten and left and, and persecuted. But don't ever stop. Don't ever stop with the must that you're going to do. Because it's the salvation and the power of God. It's the gospel. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. <laughs> Shout. Obey them that have the rule over you. And submit yourself. For they watch for their souls. And must give an account that they must, absolutely necessary. So that means this pastor one day will stand the judgment seat of Christ. Not at the white throne judgment, but when the church is raptured. And they'll walk in front of you. Now, can I tell you something? He is not going to say God or the pastor, that you're faithful, well done, thou good and faithful, if you haven't been faithful. I have pastored people, and I don't know if you're here tonight, that are friends of the church. They think they're in the church, but they're really not connected. And they're not really faithful. And they go by their own rules. Hello? And they go by their own ways. Somebody said, Pastor, you're hard sometimes telling us what we must do. Lot and his wife and his two girls are in the house. The angel said, 
leave. But they were too connected to this world. They were too connected to what they had. Read it. And the angels grabbed a hold. One translation said, grasp them. Pull them out of the house. Lot. Read it. His wife. To save them. Thank God for a pastor that will grab me sometimes and pull me out of this hell and pull me out of this world. He's not too hard. He's saving you from the judgments of God. He wants you saved. You must be saved. He has a responsibility to you. And so he's pulling you. I need a pastor. Tell me what I must do. Tell me how to be saved. Tell me how to live for God. Tell me how to go to heaven. I was putting my second home mission church together in Southern California. And uh, I ran a little warehouse for a company. God was good to give me a job. And a so uh, I had to hire some people. So I hired a guy, a young guy. But he didn't work very hard. And I said, why aren't you working very hard? He said, oh, the boss has a lot of money. And why should I work hard for so-and-so an hour when he has all some And I said, can I tell you a story? You know that man? He was raised in a tent under a tree. He went to college on a football scholarship. The money he has, he didn't inherit. It wasn't given to him. It wasn't a gift. Everything he has, he worked hard for it. And why want you to work hard for him? You must do this. Or you're going to be fired. Can I preach? There are some must in this life or you're not going to go to heaven. I said there's some must in this living for God. Well, you don't know. I, I don't think that's important. It's a must. Absolutely necessary. Absolute. And so, there are a lot of churches. Now, I'm going to say something, and I hope I can make it clear. Believe it or not, one day a person put a goldfish in this, and I was preaching, and I went to take a drink, and that fish almost entered the ministry. Joe Dominguez's church out there. And I was singing, going down for the last time. And there are absolutely something very important. I don't use the word Pentecost too much anymore. Everybody's Pentecost. Pentecost Catholics, Pentecost, you ought to live in Tulsa. Everybody's saved. If I ever find a sinner, they're in trouble. And they're not only, listen to me, they're not only, they're not only 
Christians, they're ministers. There's the minister of music, and there's the minister of, of uh, the choir, and there's a music minister, and there's this minister, and the minister over the trash cans, and the, the minister over the bathrooms. Those are the head deacons, and there's... <laughs> They, 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 brother, if you can do what you did with the mic, I can do anything tonight, okay? And so, <laughs> and so, really, I got to think of it. We're Pentecostal, but we're apostolic Pentecostal. And apostolic Pentecostal goes farther than Acts 2 and 4. They don't stop at Acts 2 and 4 and claim to be Pentecost. They go through Acts 2 and Acts 3 and Acts 4 and Acts 5, and we become part of what the apostles preached and taught. We become apostolics. Why? Because that's the only way we can be saved. John 4, 1 through 4. Jesus... When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. And I'm going to go slow for you, sis, over there in Portuguese, okay? I don't know Portuguese. I know a little bit of Spanish. You know, Gloria Dios and Pound of Crisco. That's all I know. But, but, I pastored some, my last church was 90%, 99% Hispanic. And I hated it when they left and said, Hadios. <laughs> but I want you to get this. The apostolic church is not like any other church. If you're new here, you ought to be thankful. If you're a visitor tonight, I'm telling you, you're in the greatest place in the world. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you can have the Holy Ghost. You can have joy. You can have peace. You can have your life turned around. God will bless you financially, spiritually, mentally, physically. I mean, God will take care of you. I can't. I can't promise you a new car, but I can promise you he'll meet your needs. I can't promise you that he'll do everything, but I can promise you he'll do good. Why? Because this church follows truth, and this church follows apostolic doctrine. And so, I've been on the foreign field several times. I went to Haiti, Dominican Republic. I went to Honduras. I went to Hungary. I went to Yugoslavia. Somebody said, you went to all the poor cities, all the poor places. I go to Eastern Europe, not Western Europe, because I'm a whole missionary. <laughs> and there are people loving this. I'm telling you, there's a revival on of truth. But all of these other churches, the Pope is trying to bring the Pentecostals of Southern of South America together with the Catholic Church. That's not I'm not I'm not dreaming. The last Pope said there's no hell. This Pope said atheists can be saved. I'm telling you, there's no truth in the Catholic doctrine. I am not knocking the Catholic doctrine. I'm not putting them down. I'm talking about truth. I'm telling you, the Bible teaches 
different than that. But this Pope is trying to put Pentecostals, and so we're going to have to make a stand. We're not just a Pentecost. We're not ready to join anything else. We stand alone, as the Apostle Peter did, and as the Apostle John did, and the Apostle... Hello, we're standing along what? Because we're not of that group that just says we talk in tongues. We have more than tongue talking. We know more than talking tongues. We speak in tongues. But thank God, we worship a true God and know His name. So Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. Absolutely necessary. He did not say he wanted to go through. He did not say it would be nice to go through. He didn't say it was easier to go through. Samaria was an interesting place. After the death of King Solomon, the nation of Israel split in the north and south. The ten northern tribes were called Israel. The two southern tribes were called Judah. Both tribes of Judah and Benjamin making up the southern tribes. And so all the kings of Israel, without exception, were unfaithful and disobedient to God. So God sent prophets. God sent preachers. If you're not here, if you're here tonight not saved, I'm telling you, this is just the church. He sent you a preacher tonight. I'm nobody, but he sent the preacher, the pastor here. He sends preachers to tell you, hallelujah, that you must be saved. And so God in his love and God in his mercy and God being God tried and tried and tried through the preaching of prophets and preaching of his word to get Israel to repent. But they never repented. They never had a revival. From Jeroboam all the way through, they didn't listen. And so they were overpowered by the Assyrians. And most of Israel was taken captive and sent out into another land. The Assyrians then sent five eastern tribes to live in northern Israel. These five tribes brought with them their own foreign religions and customs. The tribes were sent with a purpose. Are you listening? To diminish Israel's identity. I've got relatives and I've got friends that have walked away from the apostolic truth. Oh, they still call themselves one God, and some of them, I guess, still baptize in Jesus' name. But somehow the devil has diminished their doctrine slowly and slowly. God, I don't want less, I want more. I don't want to know less, I want to know more. I don't want to come up short, I want to have everything you have, God. Preach to me, pastor, preach to me, pastor, preach to me, preacher. Tell me how I need, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm not looking for an easier way. I'm not looking for another road. I'm not looking for someplace else. I want to be saved. You listen to this preacher. You don't listen to your relatives. And you don't listen to those others that have left somewhere and said, oh, we got this. We got, I don't care what they got. Well, like I preached this morning, when it's time to come and go, I want to have truth. Yes, yes, yes. I worked with a guy. And, you know, I'm always talking to somebody. And I said, uh, when, I, when you die... Are you going to go to heaven? He said, yes. I said, it probably would be good if I died with you because you don't know anybody up there. And I'll have to introduce you. This is Jesus. He told me, 
I fish on Sunday. I'm closer to God than you are. Oh, he made the fish and the pond, sir, and he made the trees, and you're so close to that. But when you get in the presence of God, it beats any tree or any fish or any pond you'll ever see. I don't care what nature has, and God made it. When you get the Holy Ghost, and when you get blessed by God, and when you start worshiping and thanking God, I'm telling you, it'll beat any fishing trip. It'll beat any hunting trip. It'll beat any movie. It'll beat any drug. It'll be cigarettes. It'll be drinking. It'll beat everything. It's the presence of God. It's the presence of God. This all right. I'm just preaching tonight. Is this okay? Is this all right? I I could trade again and start over and be another hour. I'm not dumb. There's people that get enjoyment out of that. But that's as long as joy is. And when that's gone, it's gone. And watch it. They never had a cigarette convention. But 25 years later, someone said, I'd like to testify. 25 years ago, I took one puff. Who I still feel it. They had to do it over and over and over and over. Never had a beer convention that said 25 years ago, I took one sip. I still feel it. But I've been a lot of places. The people said, 25 years ago, I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I still feel it. I said, I still feel it. I'm still rejoicing. I'm still running. I'm still dancing. I'm still shouting. I'm still thanking God. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you. This is real. Come on, let's praise God. Let's thank God for being born again. Let's thank God for what we got. (laughs) Brother and sister, I'm going to be praying for you. I pray for certain places. My wife's going to give you an offering after church. It's good for one Big Mac. Someone said he has sense of humor, so I thought we'd just go with it. (laughs) How many glad you're in the church? came and took Judah away. And all of those heathens intermarried with the Jews that were left there. 
And it began the Samaritan race. They were part Jew. They believed in the first book of, the first five books of Moses and the law. They had a lot of Jewish religion in them, but they had a lot of heathenism in them. But they had heathenism, but not enough to be real heathen, because they had part of God, real truth in them. And so they were called Samaritans. It took seven, just leaving my notes for a minute, it took seven hours to cross the Jordan River at the bottom and not go through Samaria. It was Galilee, Samaria, and Judah. And so Jews, religious Jews, great religious people, would not go through Samaria. And so they crossed over on the eastern side and go up the eastern side. Pardon me, seven days, not seven hours, seven days. And then they would go into Galilee. But if you went through Samaria, it was only three days. But they didn't want to go through Samaria. But Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. And I'm almost through, but listen to me. Some of the greatest truth that God ever gave people were not when the disciples were present. Nicodemus came at night, and Jesus said, you must be born again. The disciples were gone when Jesus talked to this woman. She had five husbands, and she was shacked up with another one. And he gave her one of the greatest Bible studies on the Holy Ghost that was ever given by Jesus himself. Said, give me the drink. And she said, you have nothing to draw with. He said, if you knew who it was that asked you a drink, you would have asked of him living water. And then she said, are you greater than our father Jacob that gave us as well? Well, I want to tell you, hallelujah. God's greater. He's greater than your problems. He's greater than your heartaches. He's greater than your sorrow. He's greater than your sin. He's greater than everything. And she offered him living, she offered him her living water, the Holy Ghost. Before the dispensation, he talked about the Holy Ghost. And then he gives her the greatest one God scripture. God is the Spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and truth. I, I said the other day, I was preaching, I said, if you're trying to win somebody to the Lord, here's two things to remember. If you're talking to them about the oneness of God, the first thing you ask them is, would you explain what God is like? Well, um, I, what time does this thing end? Okay. I don't want to be here when the lights go out. Okay. And so, and so they'll say, well, I, I come out of Assembly of God, and God was dealing with me. It's a young man. My brother was already in the oneness faith, and I was being, I, I spent a year trying to understand this. I'm telling you. And so I, I asked my pastor, and we were standing in the aisle, and there's two Bible school students and some of the people. And I said, and he said, I'll tell you, when I get to heaven, I'll see a father, and I'll see a son, and I'll see a Holy Ghost. And his wife was the preacher's daughter, and she said, no, you'll only see two, and the Holy Ghost is the Spirit. And I thought, wow, if my pastor don't understand it, how am I going to understand it? Billy Graham said, if you don't believe the Trinity, you'll go to hell. And if you try to understand it, you'll go crazy. Just take it by faith. But great is the mystery 
was manifest in the flesh. I'm telling you, God is not a man. He's a spirit. He is everywhere at the same time. But because he loved us, he came from heaven and took on the form of flesh so we could see him and know him and worship him. Well, I'll see God. See, I want, I want you is this all right? I'm trying to make it simple. How you doing? How you doing? People look scared to death. Trust me, I'm non-profit. I don't know nothing about you, okay? Don't be, I don't, I don't know what I had for breakfast, so I can't tell you what you had for breakfast, okay? So because God uses the terms Father, Son, of course, Holy Ghost isn't a, can't even be a person. It's a spirit. They want to think that when I get to heaven, I'm going to see people. But take away, take away the earth and take away the universe and take away angels God is from everlasting to everlasting. So go back as far as you can. There's no beginning. When there was nothing, why? Let me, come here. Why would God look like this? What a, what a disappointment in heaven. What? I'm just kidding you, brother. We can't all be good looking like me. Okay. And so... So people think because it's the name Father, this is, this is a man. But he's a spirit. Why, when there's nothing, would he have feet? Or hands? Or eyes? He's a spirit. He's everywhere. You can't squash him down and even put him on a throne. Stop believing the stupid Trinity doctrine that has been given for years. Oh, I believe in one God. No, we pick up some of those stupid things that have been in our, our background, our churches we came out of, and they come and come and come and come and come, and there's no truth in any of it. God's a spirit. But when he made Adam, he looked ahead. Romans 5 and 12, I believe. And Adam was made. In the image of him that was to come. If you don't believe God has foreknowledge, throw away prophecy. And so God, when he was going to make Adam, he looked ahead and saw what he would come as. And he took that picture of that image and brought it back. Listen to me. And made Adam. And then he breathed into Adam what he was a living God with a living soul. And so he breathed in him a living soul and made him eternal just like he is. If you're not saved, let me tell you, you won't get away from this of death. You're a living soul. You will live and live because you were made after God's image, but after the breath of God. You got that? Yes, sir. And so the R and the S of Genesis 
2, 26 and 27. Let us make man in our image. It's not talking about two persons. It's talking about an image that he's going to make after himself as man and a likeness that he is spirit. And man became a living soul. Thank you, little God. No dollars. I love the church. You know why he went through Samaria? Because he was going to offer them the same salvation. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, the city, Judea, the southern part, and then Samaria. The Holy Ghost was poured out in Acts 2 to the Jews, and Acts 8 to the Samaritan, and Acts 10 to the Gentile. Sandwiched between the Jew and the Gentile was the Samaritans, which were both Jew and Gentile. I'm going to hurry and I'm almost done. Listen to this. America, we deal with Samaritans. They have enough of God not to be heathen. They know about Bethlehem. They know about the resurrection. They sing about the blood. But they got the doctrines of the devils. Jesus was the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of Abraham, the Son of David, and the Son of Mary. And he died, the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of Abraham, the Son of David, and the Son of Mary. But when he rose rose from the grave, he was no longer the Son of God, or the Son of Man, or the Son of Abraham, or the Son of David. He was no longer the son of Mary. Jesus, don't have a mother in heaven. No use praying to her. She's not her. He's not her mother. He gave her away at the cross. When he came out of the grave, he came out there gone. You hear me? When he came out, that sonship stopped. And someone said, my Lord and my God. Did you know? That my one time in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, did the disciple ever call Jesus by his name? How many knew that? Really, raise your hand. Rabboni, Brother Pierce, Master, look it up, teacher. Others said, Jesus, your mother's at the door, your brother's at the Others asked him, was there something, Pastor Booker? That they had a little slight revelation that something's going to happen to this name. And maybe we just want, we're going to wait. But after the Holy Ghost fell, they filled their world with his name. And I said, the devil doesn't care about other things. They never said, stop talking in tongues. They never said, stop healing. Don't preach in that name. We don't want that name. Stop talking about that name. Talk about the church I've done. We need to go. Brother, thank you. This fits. 
We need to go in all the world and take this gospel. We must. Thank you for this being Missionary Sunday. I have a group of missionaries I I, uh, I inter- uh, internet with. Several you would know. I've uh, been invited. I can't go anymore. My wife's old. And so... <laughs> She's in much better shape. She drives. Well, I, 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 I don't drive. I just steer. But, you know, the, the, the gospel has to be taken to the whole world because we're the only ones with the gospel. Do you know there's more Mexican-speaking people in California than in South America? How many knew that? That's interesting because Portugal is the largest state is Brazil, and that's Portuguese. Well, Jesus gave a parable. In fact, he gave several parables in the 13th chapter of Matthew on the kingdom of heaven. He comes to a treasure. A merchant man is looking for godly and goodly treasure. And when he finds treasure, he buys the field and does what, Pastor? Hides the treasure in the ground. Now, people believe that the pearl of great price and treasure is, you know, is my salvation. I paid the price and I got saved. We have nothing to buy nothing with. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. We're not worth nothing. You can't buy salvation if you wanted to. So the merchant man is Jesus. He who was rich became poor. That through his poverty, we could be rich. He who was God became man. So we, that are man, can be like God. And so that treasure, I believe, is Israel. He came to his own, and his own received him not, but to as many as received him, to them gave you the power to become the sons of God. And so he tried to sway that treasure, and so what did he do? He hid it in the ground. And up to 1948, they were scattered and still are all over the world. But the pearl is not salvation, it's the church. The pearl comes from a living organism. All other uh, uh, jewelry, all other uh, diamonds and rubies and sapphires, they all come from the earth. And the church cannot come from the earth because the earth is cursed. And so when you see these big, beautiful, and crowded Thousands and and I think they have 70,000 on Sunday in Houston. And one church brought three TV churches. They have 30,000 on the weekend. Tulsa and one has 15,000. And they build huge buildings. Other con, they have the the prettiest, biggest Methodist church in the United States in Tulsa. Remember that thing downtown? Big, beautiful thing, isn't it? And they got other beautiful churches. But all those churches are man-made. Like a diamond shined or ruby worked on until it sparkled. And look what we have. But a pearl comes from a living organism. A little grain of sand makes a hurt in that little organism. 
And when it makes a hurt in the side of that little organism, an accretion comes out and begins to cover it and cover it and cover it until a perfect pearl is formed. And then that organism gives us life for that pearl. He who was rich was looking for a goodly pearl. And he saw it. It was the church. And he said, I'm going to purchase the church. And so he went to Calvary. And we became a little piece of sand in the side when they put the spear in. A little hurt. But out from that side and from those hands and from that blood, begin to cover my sins and cover me. If you take the blood away, thank you for singing about it. If you take the blood away, I'm nothing but a dirty little piece of sand. I'm not worth nothing. But, oh, God doesn't look at the sand anymore. He doesn't see the little piece of dirt. He sees the blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So he purchased my salvation. And so when Adam was created, he was created from the earth because the earth was not cursed yet. And then when he made woman, he made her from his side. When he made the church, the bride of Christ, he made it from his side. And then when he formed Eve, he breathed into her the breath of life. And so at Calvary, Pastor, he formed the church. But on the day of Pentecost, he breathed life into it. And it became alive. No, we're not just another church. We're alive. We have life in us. I'm not talking about this building. It's beautiful. Thank you. But I'm talking about the church. We're the church. And he breathed life into us. That's why we believe in the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues and being born again. Because we have life in us. Are you ready? Everybody wants to go to heaven. John said, I saw a city. It came down from heaven as a bride. Adorned. How many want to go to heaven? Now, I'm not taking your heaven away, but listen to me. How many want to go to heaven? In my Father's house are many mansions. How many women want to cook in heaven? There goes the kitchen and the dining room. How many go to sleep there? Are we going to go to the bathroom? You know, when you get to thinking about it, it's not a lot of big house, is it? We think, again, like it's been carried on and carried on and carried on. And we just take it and said, oh, I never had nothing in this world. I am so I had an old house. And the, talking about house, man, we had so many cockroaches, we played games with them. We'd come home from church and say, shh, and then we'd open the door. And I'd tell my kids, don't say a word. And I'd flip the lights on. And those things ran everywhere. And I said, run, you little boogers. 
had homosexuals living up over me. I had I had drug busts in my front yard. They broke into my house. I'm not telling you sad stories, but I'm telling you, I could have said, oh, I wish I had a, something good. I am not living for God for something on the east side or west side of town or wherever the good part of town is. I'm not living for God for a better bedroom or a better living room. The word mansion means dwelling places. You want me to blow your mind? The Holy Ghost is the earnest of our inheritance. The earnest means the down payment. He couldn't give it all to us because we'd blow apart. But he gave us a little bit. But when we get to heaven, what's heaven going to be? It's going to be a great service. It's going to be a great shouting. It's going to be a great place. Listen to me. I go to prepare a place for you. I had a preacher. A good-sized church. Tell me. I bought all the books on hell I could buy. I bought all the books on heaven. I preached on hell in Royal Granny. I preached on heaven. There's more about hell in the Bible than heaven. God's more interested where he don't want you to go than where he's taking you. And this, this preacher... Don't ever sit in the front when I preach, see. This guy's spit all over you. But it's holy spit. Jesus healed with spit. Okay. And so and so listen to me. He said, Isn't it wonderful? He really told me this. Apostolic Jesus name preacher, friend of mine. I could go have lunch with him this week. I'm not, I, I, not because I don't want to. He's a good friend of mine. He said, isn't it wonderful that Jesus is in heaven and been working 2,000 years on my mansion? Joseph was a carpenter, so Jesus was a carpenter. So when he went to heaven, he got a hammer and nails and started building buildings. I didn't tell him because I was working for him and I didn't want to get fired. But I said, it's interesting. Brother Pierce, it's taken him 2,000 years to build me a house, and he made the whole world by just speaking words. Is this all right? Have you ever thought when he said, I go to prepare a place for you, he is not talking about just heaven. He is going to Calvary. Read it. He's on his way to Calvary. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to die that where I am, there you may be also. I'm going to give my life for you so you can be in heaven. That's what I'm preparing. You can't get to heaven unless I die. I'm done. John said, I see that holy city as a bride. Every gate is what? You can't get in the city unless you go through the church. It's the pearl, a great price. It's the church. And if you want to go to heaven, you've got to repent of your sins and be baptized in Jesus' name and be filled with the Holy Ghost and live a holy life. Come on, let's pray. Musicians. Come on, let's raise our hands and love God. Let's talk to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah.
I'm telling you, you need to make your election and your calling sure. You need to be sure you're saved. Hallelujah. This is more than a history lesson. This is more than just some information. This is more than just something that I never thought about before. This is talking about you. And this is talking about heaven. And it's talking about the church. And the only way you're going to get to heaven is to go through the church. The only way you're going to go to heaven is to go through the church. You've got to go through the plan of God. You've got to become the bride of Christ. You have to become part of the church to be in the church, to go to the church that's in heaven. Come on, pray with me, saints. I don't know who's here. I don't know what's in your heart. But you must be saved. We used to sing a song, I must be saved. I'm 76 years old. Started preaching at 18 in the Assembly of God. Full-time evangelist at 20. Pastored my first church at 22. But Brother Booker, I still get on my knees. I still pray in my office and say, God, I must be saved. I don't want to take a chance. Life's so short. Young people, I'm telling you, take advantage of what you've got. Get in the church now. Live for God now. Because life goes so fast. And I want something. It's another sermon, but there's five crowns. And those crowns, the crown of life and on and on and on, we lay at his feet. I want something to give him in heaven. Did you hear me? That's the only thing you'll be able to give. If you love to give to God, you better work for those crowns. Because that's the only thing you'll have. And you'll say, God, here, I want to give it to you. I don't want to be simplistic. I don't want to be simple just to be simple. But I'm telling you, I love God. I thought, God, I love you so much. That if I miss heaven and go to hell, I really believe I'll not blame you. And I really believe I still love you. That's how much I love you. And I don't want to be lost. Come on, I feel God. Let's, I mean, I need some praying people. Come on, I need some praying people. This is a good time to come up and pray. This is a good time to make a move. This is a good time to say, hey, I want to be right in the church. I want to be what God wants me to be. I must be saved. I must be born again. I must worship in spirit and truth. Thank you. I want to be saved. 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 I must be saved. I must be saved. If you're not sure of the Holy Ghost... Get a refilling and be sure. Speak in tongues and be sure. Get a refilling. I must be saved. Oh, Jesus. Oh, me, Hallelujah. 
Make sure you get a new new revelation. You need to realize this is real. This is real. This is real. I must be saved. Oh, Jesus, Oh, give me Oh. 